You're listening to Master Your Bliss Life. Join Kira Masters and Leah Bliss as they dive into the magical, mysterious, and mundane elements of life, helping you to master your purpose and find your bliss. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're talking about our favorite thing in the whole world. Yes. Failure. Failure. Fail big baby. Failure. And why are we talking about failure, Kira? What did we do last week that you were so excited for that I told you we were going to do it? You blushed. Oh, I got all hot and bothered. Oh my gosh. What did we do? So we went to a work conference, a big event, and she was telling me the speakers that were going to be there, one of them being Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter. Let's Ooh. go see Derek. We were in the second row. Saying his name out loud. We were in the second row. We made sure that we got in there quick. We got in quick. We got up front seats. We like he even said that he could see us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said he could. Oh, yeah. He said he could see the first two rows. That's yeah. right. Hi. Hey, it's me. <laughs> fangirling. I'm like fangirling over here. Hardcore. It's, okay. It was it granted. Was he's very married and has three kids. Yes. Who are yes. all very young, three daughters. Yes. And he was so funny because the, the interviewer, he's like, Yeah, I got three daughters. And the interviewer was like, Oh, congrats. And he's like, Yeah, no, pray for me. Pray for me. <laughs> pray for me. And everybody laughed. <laughs> it was. It was a good time. He, but would, he would get the three daughters, right? <laughs> of course. Of course. Okay. So if you're if you're like frantically Googling who the hell Derek is Jeter Jeter, is. he is like basically the most famous baseball player after Babe Ruth. Yes. Like, yes. He won a bunch. He won, he won a lot. He won a bunch of things. Was it 3000 home runs, right? Yeah. So he's in the 3000 club. I know nothing about baseball. Don't follow it. Don't yeah, watch I don't, it. I don't care. But he is in the 3000 club, which means 3000 home runs, which is incredible. And I guess there's a documentary that just came out about him, like a docu-series, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is also great. Wish I was famous enough for a docu-series, but apparently you have to have like, you know, 20 years as the most famous <laughs> Yankee baseball player to get that to get that so I I guess we're out we're out we're out and speaking of outs yeah Derek told us which I thought that was so interesting because if we had come on here and said like we heard from a baseball player who struck out 7,000 times it's like freaking whoop like same bro yeah (laughs) I could also who hasn't who hasn't (laughs) Sounds like my dating life, but uh, <laughs> that's for another. That's for another day. <laughs> a thousand times. No, it's fine. Um, not bitter, <laughs> <laughs> but it was fascinating because yeah, he, we were, we, intimately, we mm-hmm. were having this conversation with yes. him, later, and we were talking about how he had hit three thousand home runs. Mm-hmm. And what he said was, yeah, but you forget that I also struck out over 7,000 times. Yep. Had a lot to say about failing. So Kira, what were you, I actually have my notes right here. What were some of your biggest takeaways about it? Let me, let me put on my notes. I, didn't. I have this big right box right here. around, it's a game of failure. 3,000 home runs and 7,000 outs. Yes. And then he said something 
about pay attention to how people act in their struggle. Yep. And I thought that was a a fascinating little take, like and how they bounce back and how they bounce back. Mm-hmm. We talked about they would. I mean, obviously they're going to interview these players after every single game, and they play like eight quadrillion games a season. Mm-hmm. He played for like twenty years, so that's twenty times eight quadrillion. It's a lot of <laughs> that's a lot of a lot of interviews. <laughs> a lot of interviews. And he said it was always fascinating to see how the players would would interview and how they would respond and how they would act and their mannerisms mm-hmm. when they failed. And you can tell the quality of a person how they act when, when they, fail. they fail. Yep. So Kara, when was the last time you failed? Um, yesterday. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <Or a> day. <laughs> on a on a daily basis. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, let's see the last time I failed. Um Wow. I'm it's sure hard. it's hard I, to think about. It's hard to I, ask that because it's well, like, and that's, how do you qualify failure? Like, yeah. But it's like, okay, well, that's, uh, I mean, that's kind of another way to look at it is it's like everybody's so hung up on fa- failing, on failure. But then you try to look back and be like, when did I fail? And you're like, Obviously, it wasn't that big of a deal, right? Like you bounced back because I don't remember. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's like that whole five. But I remember having moments of feeling like, "Oh shit, I failed!" Like that, that sucks. Sure. Well, (laughs) but then I learned from it. You know, you learn you learn from failure, and failure then leads to success. Yeah, we think about like the big failures in our lives, right? Oh, I failed to you know, my marriage failed. Oh, my business failed. Mm -hmm. Oh, my investments failed. Oh, my, my, you know, I, we talked about this actually while we were on our trip about the type of being the type of person who kind of talks a little big and a little bit prematurely Mm -hmm. about their big plans and goals. And then you feel like a failure when you tell everybody that you're going to do something because you are legitimately very excited to go do it, but you don't have any follow through and it ends up not happening, even though you never technically started, or maybe you just started a little bit, you told so many people and you didn't see it through. And so you feel like that's a failure. You feel like that's a failure. And then others kind of lose faith in you. It's kind of, it's hard. It's disheartening. It's hard. Yes. But as we learned from this conference and kind of all of the experiences before and after really what Jeter said is right. It's a game of failure. Mm -hmm. And we were at this conference in a sales capacity. We were there to meet people, to pitch our services as a training company for LinkedIn and to get as many people Mm -hmm. interested as possible. Mm -hmm. And we all but sprinted from person to person. Oh yeah. Because it wasn't about who's going to say yes. It was how quickly can we figure out if they're going to say no and then go to the next person. Mm -hmm. And the more people you're able to ask, the closer you're going to get to that yes. And I think it comes back to that idea of kind of that big talk that you've got 10,000 ideas that you want to start and you have a false start on 99 projects. But 
having a false start. So Kira, the example we had for you was that you went and got certified as a microblading specialist Mm -hmm. or technician. I don't know. Technician. Yeah. I did microblading. I went and got certified for that. I was super excited to have my own business and make my own schedule and do all the things. And I talked about it so much and I put it out there and granted, I will say this is right when COVID hit. Sure. So So, there was a barrier. It was a little bit of a barrier and I lost the motivation to do it and I never followed through with it. And I felt like a failure. Yeah. But you also quickly realized that like, that wasn't it for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And so while it's a false start and it didn't happen, it's, you also got to find the no, you got to find mm-hmm. the failure relatively quickly. Yeah. It's something that I thought I would love and be into. And, and as much, I did enjoy doing it and I was really good at it. It just, I didn't love it. I didn't love doing it. And you know, I also, we talked about this with my, with nursing. Yeah. I got my CNA. I was going to go to school to become NRN and I got my CNA and I, I moved forward with that and got a job as a CNA and worked that for a little while and then came to find that this wasn't what I was looking for either. I didn't love the hours. It took me away from my very young son at the time for yeah. way too a very long. long time, way too long. And I was like, this isn't what I want, at least not right now. So I decided to quit that. And to a point, I also felt like a failure. But Leah, you so kindly pointed out that, but I tried. But you tried. I tried. And I found out that it wasn't wasn't for me. And as long as you put forth that effort, right. I think it's not it's not a failure. Fail fast and fail often. Mm-hmm. I failed. I, again, we can't we can only qualify failure if we qualify success. Yeah. But and so the definition for both is so deeply personal. But I would say that I buy a more standard definition failed at being a life coach because I don't have like I was looking at some girls today right we got Gabby Bernstein we got the Kara Allwill the Champagne Diet Girl we've got tons Mm -hmm. of these very high profile female life coaches that help you kind of get your coaching business off the ground and do Mm -hmm. these things and blah 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 and I'm not doing that I'm not but I had a couple of clients that I really made a big impact on. Yeah. And I was able to pivot that experience into the job that I have now. And that was incredibly successful. And so I failed at being a life coach because I also realized that I didn't necessarily like it that much. And so, but it just evolved into a better thing. Yep. Fa- failing at my, I listened. I we When we drop the new episodes, we always go back and listen to them. And so, I listened to the one that we just put out. Um, okay, I'd have to even look what episode it is, but talk about like I was That's supposed nice. to get married. I was supposed to get married the first week of September, yeah. and that failed. Um, I also was divorced at twenty-two. That failed, but gr- great. Let's let's keep it going. <laughs> I would love to keep failing because when we get into a situation where you're not happy. Right. If Kira, if you had stayed at that CNA job, you would be unhappy mm-hmm. in your perceived success. Absolutely. And so what 
what success isn't. If you're not happy. Yeah. Like how, how is not, it's, it's not any sort of success at all. You're just burning yourself out and not like not being happy, not being happy. And I, I'm not going to be one of those people that just sticks to something because it might pay well, which it didn't, but <laughs> <laughs> which it wasn't that either, but it's so fine. many people stay in jobs these days because it pays well or it has insurance or it has this or has that just but the happy just pushing care. through every day, but they're just miserable. Like I, I you, I sent you a song yesterday. Did you listen to it? I have not yet. I, I looked it's, at it again today. It's called I like cars, which like, sounds weird. Like what is I, the song going to be? I was like, like, why is she sending this to me? <laughs> <laughs> but the lyrics, well, it came up in like a Spotify recommended or whatever. And I, I listened to it the first time like because I first skipped it a couple of times, but I listened to it and the line is, I like cars and I like money, but what's the point if I'm not happy? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. because I feel sometimes guilty about saying I love money. Like money is a huge motivator for me. Mm-hmm. I love money. I'm, I'm not a big car person, but I like a man with a nice car. That's for sure. Yeah. But, but I love money. Yeah. What's the point if you're not happy? I'll, you know, I mean, granted, I'd rather cry in a matte black Lambo than (laughs) in a jalopy, (laughs) but it doesn't matter, like burning yourself out and working yourself to death. And so winners quit and quitters win, right? Seth Godin said that. And so you got to fail as quickly and as often as possible and then not take it personal. Mm-hmm. And start figuring out, okay, I failed, I failed, I failed some more. Now I need to figure out what I'm learning from this failure. Mm-hmm. And once you can get curious about that, who I failed. That did not, that, that was an epic that failure. That did not go as planned. <laughs> right? So many times things do not go. I mean, almost that's the guarantee. Things will yeah. not go as planned. Mm-hmm. And when they don't, that's the moment that you get to learn about things. Mm -hmm. And so you got to pay attention. Again, what Jeter said, pay attention to how people act in their struggle. Understand that when, and even yourself, how do you act when you're in the struggle? How do other people around you, do you want to keep them around you? And the other thing he said was, in his mind, he'll often go back to a time when he was successful. Go back to a time in your mind where you were successful and then use that to prepare for every eventuality. Yes. Yes. There's there's another thing he said that um, life's not fair. You shouldn't want something that comes easy. Ooh. It's, I mean, what's that saying? Fall down seven times, stand, stand up eight. Up eight. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or from another baseball reference from a league of their own, he says the hard is what makes it great. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. Yeah. The hard. Well, then, if it's it not, if it came easy, it, you're not going to appreciate it as much. Yeah. Which is what, like, back when I was life coaching, people would be like, "Well, like, we're friends, or could you just do this for me?" And it's like, no, no, me giving you a discount on a service or you getting something for free 
means that you don't have any skin in the game and that you don't have as much value on it. And you're not going to work as hard. Yep. I noticed that even like with my personal trainer, we do trade. And because it's not like cold, hard cash coming out of my bank account, I'm like, uh-huh. skip, skip today. <laughs> and then he yells at me and then I cry, but I appreciate that. But it's like, unless you have put in some sort of effort, something that's valuable to you, whether it's your time, your energy, your money, your commitment, your word, your honorability, you're not going to take it seriously and you're not going to value it when you get it, Mm -hmm. right? Why is a Birkin bag so much more coveted than my backpack I got off Amazon. Right. <laughs> and it's cute, by the way. And it's cute. Yeah. Right. There was a guy at this conference who was like asking us about the pricing for our services for the LinkedIn training that we do. And he was like, what kind of bags you guys got? Can I afford your services? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, we both bought ours probably at Target. So yeah, it's not that expensive. <laughs> And then he said, I think we both said Amazon. That's what it was. We yeah. both said Amazon. And he was like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. I could probably afford you that. <laughs> Which was funny. We'll do another episode about women in a male dominant industry. Yes. There was, we learned some things. We learned some things. Yes, we did. But mostly we learned that it is important to fail big and not be afraid of it. Not 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 do something. If if someone told Derek Jeter, like you're going to strike out 7,000 times in your career and that caused him to not pursue professional baseball, he would miss out on an incredible opportunity and of the career of a century. Yeah. And so what's, you know, no it's, risk it, no biscuit. No risk and no biscuit. Another thing he said was never allow yourself to entertain the idea of failure. Ooh. Ooh. I get chills. Yeah. It goes hand in hand. If somebody would have told him that he was going to fail that many times, strike out that many times, and it would help, and he would have entertained that idea and it held him back. Wouldn't be, be where he is now. Yep. I love that. I recently came across this concept of being the luckiest girl in the world. And I have decided to embody it where I will now, I think Kara's telling me about this at like the roulette tables in Vegas. <laughs> like I'm the luckiest girl in the world. Every move that I make, every place that I go, every breath I take, just <laughs> I am the luckiest person in the world. And every situation that I am in is the situation that is for the highest good. Yes. And, you know, crazy things have been happening. Mm-hmm. I was at the laundromat doing my laundry the other day because my washer is not big enough for like my comforter and stuff. Some old man came up and gave me a bunch of money. He's like, here's a bag of quarters that I don't want to take home. Do you want this? Yes. Yes. Luckiest girl alive. Luckiest person alive. Did I win $600 at the roulette table? Yes, she did. Yes, I did. She was on it. It was it was my first time playing roulette. I was very nervous because you entertained the idea of failure. Yeah, absolutely. I totally did. I was like, I don't want to lose all that money. What are you talking about? (laughs) And we played with a hundred dollars. Yeah, each like not not a ton of money. Like definitely a nice dinner. Yeah, but not a ton of money. And it just comes down to 
where do you believe in yourself? And so I've decided to start walking around as if I'm the luckiest girl alive. Every single place that I go, every interaction I have, every person I talk to, every, but also every minor inconvenience. So today, my rear blinker bulb went out because mm-hmm. I was driving my son to school. And I was like, excellent, excellent. What an opportunity for me. And so I just know that because that happened, things are going to happen and put me on a path of the best thing that could possibly happen to me. Do I know what it is? No. But do I know it's going to be the best thing for me? Yes. Yes. So don't be afraid of failure and assume success. Yep. I stepped into that fear of failure and I played Rua anyway. I didn't win $600, but I did come out ahead. So that's fine. Mm -hmm. It it worked out. (laughs) You did. And it was, it's the long game. Oh, it was exciting. I was just like, "Uh." it's the long game. Take away chips, add some chips, take away chips, add some chips. It's not for, it's not a quick win. No, 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 no. But Leah's chips were stacking up in the corner. (laughs) I got a strategy, man. I got foolproof <laughs> strategy. Our friend Lisa, who we mention often on this podcast, who has a f- fabulous podcast, mm, she's amazing. The Intentional Morning. She taught me this strategy, and I've evolved it. Her strategy is: you pick one color, red or black. You play the table minimum, so twenty-five bucks. Pay twenty-five dollars on the table minimum on the same color every time. Okay, so. If you win, you take your winnings, put it aside, play the table minimum. You win, take your winnings, play the table minimum. You win, take your winnings, play the minimum. You do that three times in a row, you're up 75 bucks. Like Mm -hmm. you're doing solid. Yep. Then if you lose, you double your bet the next time. Yeah. Because then you've made all your money back. Mm -hmm. And then some. Yeah. You lose again, double it again. And so you have to have You've got to have a a grip. You got to have a little bit of cash in case you lose 10 times in a row and you got to double it 10 times. That's Mm -hmm. anxiety, but it's a 50, 50 chance. And what people don't, don't remember is that every single time that it goes again, every single time they flick that little ball and it goes around the circle, you still have 50, 50 chances. Mm -hmm. They'll show you on the screen, like, oh, it's been you know, red has been dropped 68% of the time over the last 100 rolls. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, there's a higher chance of getting red. Incorrect. Mm-hmm. Every single time it's 50%. It's like 48% because of the zeros, but 48% every single time. And this is a huge learning moment because the events of the past do not dictate the events of the future. Yep. And that is my roulette for life coaching yeah (laughs) life coaching roulette every single time you play it's a new opportunity because there's nothing in the past that dictates what's going to happen in the future all right take that go to vegas win big let me know how you did i already told you we need to take like a a day and just you know get one one of those 50 dollars flights fly down there and just play for pay for an hour or two and fly back because it would pay for itself Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> we live in Salt Lake, so we could just drive to Wendover. Yes, this is true. This you take true. the party bus. 
That or Mesquite. Mesquite's closer. Or no, wait, Wendover's closer. Wendover's way closer. All right, on that note, write those tips down. Yes. Um, don't be afraid to fail. And the past does not dictate the future. Yeah. All right, darlings. Okay. Long time. We'll see you again real soon. Bye. You've been listening to Master Your Blessed Life. Make sure to check out the show notes for any relevant links and follow Kira and Leah on Instagram and LinkedIn.